Acts chapter 27, let's begin reading at verse 13. When a moderate south wind came up, supposing that they had attained their purpose, they weighed anchor and began sailing along Crete, close inshore. But before very long, there rushed down from the land a violent wind called Uroquilo. When the ship was caught in it and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and let ourselves be driven along. Running under the shelter of a small island called Clauda, we were scarcely able to get the ship's boat under control. After they had hoisted it up, they used supporting cables and undergirding the ship. Fearing that they might run aground on the shallows of Syrtis, they let down the sea anchor and in this way let themselves be driven along. The next day, as we were being violently storm-tossed, they began to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small storm was assailing us, from then on, all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. And they had gone a long time without food. Then Paul stood up in their midst and said, Men, you ought to have followed my advice and not to have set sail from Crete and incurred this damage and loss. Yet now I urge you to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep up your courage, men, for I believe God that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. Lord, thank you for your presence. Now I ask you to open our hearts that we may hear what the Spirit will say in the midst of the preaching. I pray that the Holy Spirit will come and make up for all of my inadequacies so that we may hear what you want to say to us today, not what I want to say. I lift up other life-giving churches and I pray blessing upon them. I pray for our loved ones not yet walking in right relationship with you. And I particularly lift up sons and daughters who have wandered from the faith pray that you will draw them back to you so that not one of them is lost. And Father, our hearts are troubled today when we see the events of this world. And so we pray for violence to diminish, for evil to be pushed back. We pray that for our own area. We pray that for our country. We pray, O oh Lord, that righteousness will prevail. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the deep. Yes. Lord, we continue to lift up your people with whom we have such a strong connection because we've been grafted into the vine from which they are the, the pure true branch. Yes. And together we become your people and we lift up the nation of Israel to you. Yes. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Yes. We pray, O oh Lord, that there violence will be turned aside, that protection will be given, and that you will rule and reign, and that somehow through this, you will be revealed, and you will be glorified. 
pray all of this in the only name that matters, the strong name of Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, our soon returning King. Amen. You may be seated. Any way you look at it today, storms are an integral part of our lives. I dare say if we were to take the time and go around the room, most of us could come up with at least one story of a terrible storm we have experienced. This hurricane season has been a relatively quiet one for us, thank God, but not so much for other parts of the country. There are places that have been severely impacted by hurricanes and floods. In other places, they've experienced devastating drought. Still others have witnessed wildfires destroying thousands of acres, leaving death and destruction in its wake. As bad as those storms are, even worse are the emotional and physical and relational storms that blow into our lives. You know, when there's more month than there is money, that's a storm. When the one you've committed to love for a lifetime walks in and says, I don't love you anymore, that's a storm. When the boss hands you a pink slip, that's a storm. When the business you've had for years and poured all your energy and resources into goes belly up, that's a storm. You're sitting in the waiting room and the doctor comes out and says, no cure, that's a storm. When angry words are spoken and the child packs up and slams the door on the way out, that's a storm. When the officer knocks on your door in the middle of the night to tell you of the accident, that's a storm. When faith has taken a beating and you don't know what to believe anymore, that's a storm. And the truth is, all of us at some time or other are going to find ourselves in the middle of a storm. Just because you're a born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, card-carrying Pentecostal doesn't mean you are exempt from the storms of life. Now, there are a lot of reasons why believers find themselves going through personal storms, but regardless of the cause of the storm, we know without question, storms are going to happen. There is, however, another truth. Storms don't necessarily spell the end. Storms don't necessarily mean defeat. Some of you listening to this message today may find yourselves in a storm. If that's you, then this may be just exactly what the Lord wants you to hear today. Some might not be in a storm right now, but you've just come through a personal storm. If that's you, you'll be able to nod and smile and say amen because you're going to recognize truth here. Others of you may not be in a storm, and you may not have just come through a storm. In fact, things may be looking pretty good for you right now. If that's you, then you really need to pay close attention, because somewhere up ahead, right around the corner, there's a storm with your name on it, and you're going to need the truth of this message to help get you through. 
Now, is everybody encouraged today? We just, <laughs> we just pray and go home, you know? When we look at the story told in chapter 27 of the book of Acts, we find the apostle Paul in the middle of a terrible storm. It isn't just a wind and wave storm, but that northeasterner was an outward picture of the kind of personal storm he was in as well. See, at the time of this event, Paul is a prisoner. He's on his way to Rome. There he was to plead his case before Nero. He had been imprisoned unjustly by the Romans, really to protect him from the Jews who were out to get him. These Jews had charged him with blasphemy and heresy, and there were some very powerful political and religious leaders who were trying to get rid of him. Even though Paul was under Roman guard, he had begun to fear for his safety. So as a Roman citizen, he had exercised his right to appeal his case to Caesar, which meant a trip to Rome. In this chapter, Paul is in the process of being transported to Rome, but he wasn't sure exactly what the future held. It was a critical time. It was a tense time. It, it was a terrible situation. Not only was his personal life in a terrible storm, but now the ship on which he is traveling gets caught in the middle of a ferocious northeasterner. It was so severe they could not face the wind, so they tried to run before it. The ship was breaking up, so they passed cables under it to hold it together. To lighten the load, they jettisoned the cargo. As the storm continued without letting up for a number of days, no visible sun or stars, no sense of direction of where they were or where they were headed, the soldiers and the sailors on the ship began to lose all hope of ever being saved. Can you begin to get a picture of how desperate things had become? They were in what we might call the mother of all storms. Every time they tried to do something to improve the situation, it only got worse. What little hope that had been present at the beginning was fading fast. It got so bad, they threw over the cargo, the very reason for their existence. In the midst of the storm, they abandoned their purpose. Not only that, but then they began to lighten the load by throwing overboard the ship's tackle. In doing so, they lost the ability to navigate and steer the vessel. So not only did they abandon their purpose, they also lost their ability to function. They were in such despair, they just gave up. They lost their purpose for living. They lost their ability to function. They just resigned themselves to being overwhelmed by the storm. Now, it's entirely possible that this story up until this point may describe what's been happening in the life of some of you listening to this message. Maybe things in your life look like the whole ship is going down right now. Maybe you feel like you're in a storm. And the ship you're, about, you're in is about to sink, and you don't know what to do. Maybe you've done everything you know to do, and it seems the storm only gets worse. If that's where you're living, then the question becomes, what do you do when you're in the midst of the storm? How do you keep going? How do you live in such a way the storm doesn't totally wipe you out? How do you survive the storm? Well, as we look at this story, I want to highlight three lessons we can learn that become a plan of action to teach us something about surviving the storm. Here we go. Lesson number one. If you're going to survive the storm, you have to learn when the storms of life hit, don't panic, keep your head. Don't panic, keep your head. 
After the men had gone a long time in the storm without eating, Paul stood up and he said in verses 21 and 22, men, you ought to have taken my advice and not, have, and not to have set sail from Crete and incurred this damage and loss. You know, Paul just can't resist the urge to say, I told you so. He goes on, he says, yet now I urge you to keep up your courage for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. See, when people get in a storm, they have this herd mentality. They have this tendency to follow the path of the people of the world around them rather than acting with the mind of Christ. Consequently, when a storm strikes, they become hysterical. They panic. They lose their cool. They just start reacting and slinging stuff around. They get so unfocused, they are easily bent into the pattern and the mold that discounts any activity by God and any positive good coming out of the situation. Now, here's what I know. The Lord wants you to live by the mind of Christ. And that is exactly opposite of the way Satan wants you to live. It's also the opposite of what seems to be the normal pattern of human existence in a fallen, unregenerate state. You know, one of the greatest things God has given to human beings is the brain. All of us have one. Some of you will be happy to know that. And the greatest battle going on right now is the battle for your mind. The Bible clearly teaches us that as the mind goes, so do we go. What is it? As we think in our hearts, so are we. And if your spiritual enemy can get you thinking into, get your thinking into a panic state, if he can get your thinking into hysteria, if he can get you losing your calm and your sense of self-control, then he's going to have you right where he wants you. You know, this brain of ours is a marvelous creation. It's about three and a half or four pounds of gray matter. I'm told it has the power of sending signals at 357 feet per second to all parts of the body. It's divided into various sections and compartments, and each of these sections have specialized functions that they control. But as wonderful as this brain of ours is, none of that does us a bit of good unless we program it correctly. What the Lord is saying to us today is we have to learn what it means to think right if we're going to learn how to survive the storm. We have to learn Psalm 48 and 9. We have thought on your loving kindness, O God, in the midst of your temple. We have to learn Psalm 119 and 59. I considered my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. We have to learn 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. Instead of filling your mind with the panic and the worry and the fear of this world's point of view, you need to be filling your mind with God's thoughts and God's message and the truth of what thus says the word of the Lord. See, we've heard the report of the naysayers. We've heard the report of this godless age in which we live, and 
and none of that sounds very good. But I want to tell you, there is another report, and that is the report of the Lord. And I want to ask you today, whose report are you going to believe? I tell you, when I have a choice, I choose to believe the report of the Lord every time. The report of the Lord says you're saved, you're healed, you're delivered. The report of the Lord says you're justified righteous. The report of the Lord says you're sanctified holy. The report of the Lord says you're filled with power from on high. His report says you are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. His report says you're not bound, you're free. His report says you're not dead, you're alive unto God. His report says you're not a victim, you're a victor. His report says God is for you, Jesus is with you, the Holy Spirit is in you, there are angels all around you, so why are you in a panic? Listen, listen, when you program yourself with all the positive virtues of God, when you enter them into your mind so that you plug out of the world and plug into the word, then there's not one thing this world can move you with because he that is in you is greater than he that is in this world. Don't panic, keep your head. Lesson number two, if you're going to survive the storm, don't fear Keep your heart. In verses 23 and 24, Paul says, For this very night an angel of the Lord, or of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood before me, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. If you're going to be a survivor of the storm, then when the winds of adversity blow, you're going to have to refuse discouragement. You're going to have to refuse fear. You're going to have to keep your heart. You know, so often we lose heart. We become afraid. And when we become afraid, then our emotions get away from us and our emotions override us. You know, one of the remarkable things about human beings is we have this great ability to take information and store it in our minds. And then we can bring it out of our storage vaults and utilize and apply the information we have learned into new situations in which we find ourselves. Now, In some cases, that's good, and in other cases, it's not so good. It's good news if you learn from the mistakes you made in the past. If you can take that experience and put it in a positive way and recognize when you're about to fall into the same old trap, then it's good. However, if you take the same old failures and generalize those failures into the present, then you never get over your fears. You know, I got to tell you, I'm amazed at believers whose lives are governed by what happened to them 20 years ago. All they ever do with their mental ability is look back over their lives and transfer the old problems and fears into the present. So all they're doing is updating their fears. (laughs) They update their jealousy. They update their worry. They update their tension. They update all the problems they ever had in life. But I want you to know God has a better way. He has a better way than simply replaying all the old recordings you have stored on file and coming coming to the conclusion that it's always been bad, it's always going to be bad, so you might as well just accept it and go down with the ship. He wants you to know that Jesus has lived, Jesus has died, Jesus has risen again as the mighty conqueror. He has already won the victory. He has already seen to it that Satan is a defeated foe. And because you are in him and he is in you, then his victory has become your victory. Because he is victorious, you are victorious. Because he is triumphant, you are triumphant. Because he has conquered, then you 
are a conqueror. So instead of replaying all the old recordings and coming to the same negative conclusions, you need to know God has provided a different ending than the one you've already known and the one you've always known in the past. He has input all the same information that you and everybody else has input, but he has come to an entirely different conclusion. His conclusion says you're not going under, you're going over. You're not going to lose, you're going to win. So it isn't time to throw in the towel. It isn't time to lose heart. It isn't, it, it isn't time for you to just give up on what's going on around you. It's time to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. It's time to stop whining and start praising. It's time to stop fretting and start declaring the promise of God. It's time to put on the armor of God and stand strong against every spiritual force of wickedness that comes against you. See, the Lord wants you to put your heart into his hand, and he wants to take all those old negative recordings that keep playing in your head and give you a whole new set of recordings that is based upon the power of the Spirit of God at work in your life. He wants to clean out all those old storage bins and give you a whole new program that says Jesus Christ is Lord over every area of your life. If you're in a storm right now, the Lord wants to say to you from verses 23 and 24 that he is standing with you, so do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to confront the destructive behavior pattern to which you've been bound. Do not be afraid to open the door on those internal rooms of abuse. Do not be afraid to begin the process of tearing down the stronghold that has existed in your family for generations. Do not be afraid to resist the pressure of a conformist society and follow the path of righteousness. Here's what the Lord wants to say to you. He wants to say to you, Joshua 1, 9, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He wants to say to you, Isaiah 41 and 10, do not fear for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He wants to say to you, Isaiah 41 13, I am the Lord your God who upholds your right hand, who says to you, do not fear, I will help you. He wants to say to you, Isaiah 43, verses one through three, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. <laughs> when you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. That's what the Lord wants you to know today. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to give him praise for that. Do not fear. So don't panic. Keep your head. And don't fear. Keep your heart. Why don't you just turn to somebody and say, don't fear. No fear. If you're going to survive the storm, don't panic, keep your head. Don't fear, keep your heart. Lesson number three, if you're going to survive the storm, don't despair, keep your hope. In verse 25 of our text, Paul says to the men, therefore, keep up your courage, men, for I believe God that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. Then when you skip down to verse 33, we didn't read that far down in the text, but you skip all the way down, Paul is once again encouraging the men. It says there, up until the, until the day was about to dawn, Paul was encouraging them all to take some food, saying, today is the 14th day. You've been constantly watching and going without eating, having taken nothing. They've gone two weeks without a meal. 
Therefore, I encourage you to take some food, for this is for your preservation. For not a hair from the head of any of you will perish. Having said this, he took bread, gave thanks to God in the presence of all, broke it, began to eat. You know, most of them had given up. What's the use of even eating? All hope is lost. Not Paul. Uh-uh. He keeps his hope. He's riding in the middle of the storm. The wind is blowing. The ship's breaking up. Everything's going down the tubes. And Paul's sitting over here on the deck, perched on a barrel, eating a sandwich. <laughs> he didn't give up hope. The men were encouraged when they saw him eating and thought, well, maybe it was, that's not such a bad idea. And they ate some food themselves. And when you get to the end of the story, you find in verse 44 that everyone reached land in safety. The cargo went over, the ship fell apart, but they were saved. Now, what you need to know is that you don't have to jump over with the cargo. (laughs) What so many do is lighten the ship, throw over the cargo, let the ship fall apart, then they throw up their hands and go down with it. What I want you to realize is the Lord is interested in you. See, the Lord isn't building buildings. He isn't building businesses. He isn't building careers. He's building people. And if all you can see are the things of this life, then you got big trouble. If all you can see is your career or your business or your retirement, if all you can see is your relationship, if all you can see is your stuff, your house, your car, your boat, If all you can see are the things of this life, you're never going to survive the storm. Because when you look into the book, you see that this planet is not permanent. Your business, your career, your house, your physical life, none of that is permanent. This world is one day going to fold up. This planet is going to melt with a fervent heat. And what we're looking for by hope is a new heaven and a new earth. Somewhere along the line, you're going to have to realize your hope cannot be based on the temporal things of this life because that is the ultimate shaky ground. And when you have real hope, you see beyond this life. When you have real hope, then you realize your life is not meaningless and worthless. You're here for a purpose. You're here to live your life to the praise of God's glory. You're here to help get this world ready for the coming of Jesus. And I want to tell you, your real life isn't here. This earthly life is only the preliminary event. This is only the opening act. The main event is when you rule and reign with Jesus forever in a body fashioned after his own body. The reason you don't have to lose your hope is because you realize this is not all there is. What you have right now is not all there is. There's a crown that awaits you. There's a glory. There's a splendor you can't even begin to imagine that is waiting for all those who love and serve the Lord. So when the storms of life are raging all, all around you, you keep praying. You keep believing. You keep serving. You keep praising. You keep singing. You keep testifying. You keep holding on to the unchanging hand of Jesus because I'm here to tell you your best days are still ahead of you. Now listen very carefully to me as I bring this message to a close. When your hope remains fixed on Jesus, you may indeed lose the ship. 
The cargo may have to be tossed overboard. But he will see to it that you are spared. And he will see to it that out of the reversals and out of the rubble and out of the debris, you will survive. You will be strong and whole and complete. You will be able to begin again building something powerful that will rise to the praise of his glory. I want you to say with me today, I will survive. I will survive. Why don't you tell somebody near you, I, I will survive. Yeah, I'm going to make it. If you want to survive the storm, don't panic. Keep your head. Don't fear. Keep your heart. Don't, don't despair. Keep your hope. You're going to make it. Somebody needs to be encouraged with that today. You came in here going, man, I just think everything's falling apart around me. You need to, you're going to make it. Well, Pastor, I don't, I, I haven't preached well enough to convince some of you yet, so I gave it my best shot, but some of you are still looking at me like, eh, I don't know. But you're, you are. You're, you're going to get through this. I've told you this before, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and it came to pass. It didn't come to stay. It came to pass. So it, 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 this trouble, it's temporary. But all oh, the joy and all oh, the glory that awaits for those who just anchor their trust in Jesus. Stand with me, please.